apostolic, tongue-talking believer looks like, who's mature in their faith, who's mature in their devotion to God, who's mature and consistent in their prayer life. Praise God. And isn't that what we're all striving for? To be more like Jesus Christ, to have more of his nature in our lives, to have more of his spirit and involvement in our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So, uh, thank you, Brother Boone. So after next Wednesday night, I'll take those that are interested in continuing the class into the coffee shop and we'll, we'll continue with those lessons. Let me give you a quick overview of the 10 lessons in this first study. Tonight is the first lesson we're learning about your new life in Christ. Next week, we're gonna talk about God's grace. Amen. Third lesson is hiding the word of God in our heart. And then we'll learn how to pray. And then we'll learn spiritual warfare. And then we'll learn knowing God's will for your life. And then Christian character and then the Christian family and how it's structured, and then your pastor and you. Praise God. Why don't you clap your hands if you appreciate your pastor. Amen. We've got one of the best, your pastor and you. And then the last lesson is the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. So we're going to start tonight learning about your new life in Christ. Let's jump right into the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This study is chock full of the Word of God. We love the Word of God in this church, don't we? Amen. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you're born again into the Father's house, into the kingdom of God, Everything from your old life can be passed away and you can become a brand new creature, according to the Bible. A brand new you that never was before, that's renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost and washed by the blood of the Lamb. In Galatians 6.15, the Bible says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new Creature, Everybody say new creature, new creature. And we're identified as a new creature like we just read by the circumcision. It happens at baptism. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, according to the Bible. You're a slave or you're free. You're black or you're white. You're Hispanic. You're Latino. It doesn't matter. The Bible says it doesn't avail anything. Because when you're a new creature, the blood of the lamb covers you just like it can cover anybody else in the world. We're identified not by our race, not by our gender, but we're identified in Christ by the name of Jesus that's applied to us at baptism. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 11 and 12, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. See, in the Old Testament, the circumcision was obviously made with hands. But in the New Testament, this circumcision is made without hands. It says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We're buried with him in baptism. Everybody say baptism. Wherein also we are raised with him through the faith of the operation of God who's raised him from the dead. 
In the Old Testament, the sign of the covenant was the circumcision of the flesh. But in the New Testament, it's the circumcision of the heart. Everybody say heart. The putting away of the sins of our flesh, the washing away of sins, the remission of sins of that old life and that old nature happens at baptism. Now tonight, in this first lesson, we're going to walk through three main points about the Father's house. First, we're going to look at the Father's kingdom, which we're all hopefully part of, his kingdom. Then we're going to talk about the Father's house, what it means to be in the Father's house, and the benefits you have if you live your life in the Father's house. And then we're going to talk shortly about growing up in the Father's house. What's it like to be a child of God and grow up in your Father's house? So let's start with that first one, the Father's kingdom. Now, it's important to note that you've got to be born into this kingdom. You don't get to sign one of our membership cards in the back, and that puts you into the kingdom of God. You don't visit the guest services desks, desk or get a call from Brother Bullard, and he invites you to join this church and become a member. You don't shake the pastor's hand. That's not what being a part of the kingdom is about. We are born into the kingdom of God. We are born. There's a new birth experience that happens that is what places us into the Father's house. And if you've been born again, born into that kingdom tonight, why don't you clap your hands into the Lord and give him praise for that new birth experience when he turned your life around and made you a new creature? Praise God. Praise God. We're we're born into a new realm. We're born into a new kingdom, not the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of your desires and mine, but the kingdom of Jesus Christ. John 3 and 36, the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. 1 Peter 1, 23 being born again, everybody say born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We're born again, according to the Bible. Now, if you're born by the word and the Bible says heaven and earth is going to pass away one day, but his word will never pass away. That means if you're born of the word of God, you get something eternal inside of you he said heaven and earth is going to die away it's going to burn up with a fervent heat but what the bible says about his word is it's never going to die and this scripture we just read says you can be born of that word you can be born of that eternal thing and it can be a part of you the second thing about being born into the kingdom of jesus christ is that we now come under the lordship of Christ. John 8, 24, the Bible says, If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Matthew 24, 23 through 27, the Bible says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, don't believe it. Believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that 
if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. They would deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. I'm just waiting on Jan's here. <laughs> Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, don't go there. Behold, if he's in the secret chambers, if that's what they say to you, don't believe it. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. The point is that we don't know. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know that it will happen. And if we're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then we'll know when that time is beginning to approach. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. To be under the lordship of Christ means you're hearing his voice. When you're communing with God, when you've got a relationship with the Father, guess what? He speaks to you. If you're a Christian and you're not hearing the voice of God in your daily life or, or every few days, then I'm challenging you tonight. There is a deeper connection that the Father wants to have with you. When you're a son or a daughter of the Father, he wants you to hear his voice so that he can lead you and guide you. You think about your own father or mother. They want the best thing for their children. They want to give you guidance. They want to give you clarity and direction for your life, and it's no different with our Heavenly Father. If we come under his lordship, then he wants to speak to us in our daily life and give us direction and give us clarity. Somebody praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. The other thing about the lordship of Christ is that there are so many Christians that they want him to be their savior. We've talked about this before, but they want him to be their savior. Save me from my sins. Save me from my wrong. Save me from the mess I've made in my life. Save me from these circumstances and situations. Be my savior, God. But it gets difficult to call him Lord. He wants to be savior and Lord of our life. And that lordship is about giving up something that's very precious to every one of us. And that's control. It's very difficult to give up control and my will and my desire and my carnality, but I've got to to come under the lordship of Christ. Now, to be born into the Father's house, we've got to follow his gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, the Bible says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is an explanation of the gospel. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again. And because he did those things, we also can follow after him and do the same things. We can die to ourselves in repentance. We can be buried with him in baptism. And we can have the promise of receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost the infilling of his nature, the infilling of his power into our lives. Romans 6, 9 through 11, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. 
For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves, that's you and me, dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when, you, when you're born again into the Father's house, when you're born into this kingdom, there is immediately, upon entering into the Father's house, there's immediately a dying process that starts to take place. Day one, you repent and you, you recognize that the ways that you have been living are not right and they're not pleasing to God. And you start, God starts to open your eyes to some things about yourself. And then this process of death, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor, it, it happens throughout the whole course of your Christian journey. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name for about 14 years now. And there's still times that I go to prayer and the Lord convicts me about something in my own heart, shows me an ugly way inside of me, shows me an evil intent that's in my heart or a motive that's not pure. And if you can't identify with that tonight, well, God help you. You're just not being honest. Would you raise your hand and let me see it if you can identify with that tonight? Every one of us, the Bible says that the imaginations of our heart are evil. They're deceitful and desperately wicked. But God, as a good father, knows and challenges our hearts so that we can continue the dying process. Acts 2 and 38, very familiar to all of us Pentecostals. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now the neat thing about Acts 2.38 is if you open up your Bible and you look in the Baptist Bible, you look in the Methodist Bible, the Episcopalian Bible, the Catholic Bible, it doesn't matter what Bible you pick up, Every single Bible that you read in Acts 2.38 says the same thing and has the same promise of God, that you can repent and die out to yourself, that you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive this precious promise of the Holy Ghost. Jesus even gave the keys to the Father's house to Peter. The guy that preached that Acts 2.38 message had the keys in his hand. I wish I had some keys to hold up. The, the man that preached Pentecost was... The, the guy that preached Pentecost was a failure and a sinner. And he denied the Lord at the Lord's most critical time of his life when he was facing death. He denied even knowing the man. And 50 days later... This sinner and liar and deceiver, this vile man preaches with the keys to the whole kingdom in his hand. And what did he preach? He preached, accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He preached, grace and mercy for everybody. Come and get it. No, he preached, there's a dying process that starts. Repentance. And then baptism. And then the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you and to your children and all those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's who the promise was for. 
Matthew 16 and 18, this is what he told Peter. He said, I say unto thee that you're Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The man with the keys preached Acts 2.38. Again, we receive the name of Jesus Christ at the point of baptism. It's, it's kind of like, anybody married in this house? Raise your hand, let me see all the married folks. Okay. At a marriage, typically the wife takes on her husband's name or his last name. And women that don't choose not to take on their husband's last name, well, I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) But typically a woman takes her husband's last name in marriage because she is now identifying herself with him. And if you have a last name like Farhat, God help you. (laughs) I'd help my kids because I was called a lot of things growing up. I can't say from this pulpit, so I'm going to leave that alone. Farhat. Praise God. We receive that name of Jesus Christ at baptism. It's it's a covenant name just like it's a covenant in marriage. Colossians 2, 10 through 12, the Bible says, You're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, Buried with him in baptism. Everybody say baptism. So can you see now the circumcision of the heart, the the name of Jesus being applied, it happens at baptism. That is the covenant. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who's raised him from the dead. Why the name of Jesus? Acts 4 and 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 10, 48, the Bible shows that they were commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. It it wasn't an option. They were commanded upon this encounter with God. Cornelius invites Peter, the guys with the keys to the kingdom, to his home. He preaches to Cornelius and his family. This guy's not Pentecostal, but he's a devout man and he's trying to be righteous. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word in his house. And they were all talking in tongues. Again, no matter if it's the Methodist Bible, the Catholic Bible, the the Episcopalian Bible, they all talk about Cornelius and the Holy Ghost falling and them talking in tongues in his house. And Peter says, well, my goodness, this is the same experience we saw all that time ago at Pentecost. What do we do? I command you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He knew because he had the keys to the Father's house in his hand. Acts 8.16, the Bible says to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It says, for as yet he was fallen on none of them. That's the Holy Ghost. Still hadn't fallen on any of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
So this is a case where people were baptized in the name of Jesus but hadn't received the infilling of the Holy Ghost yet. So it's important to notice not one single place, not one single time in your Bible is anybody ever baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. In fact, when Jesus said that, he said, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That was his emphasis. All power is mine is what the Lord said. Go you therefore. Why? Because I've got all power. Go therefore and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. It was giving him that revelation right there. In my name. The name of Jesus that has all of the power. Not one time do we see baptism carried out in any way but the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always done in Jesus' name. And if I had a million dollars, I'd give you a million dollars. If you could find one example in Scripture where somebody was ever baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. The name is always, always used because it's part of the covenant again. Next, we receive his nature through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So in baptism, in, in, in repentance and baptism, we're, we're dying to self, we're repenting of our, our wrong and our sinfulness. All of that's washed away in the covenant of baptism. And then with the filling of the Holy Ghost, you've got a clean, squeaky clean vessel that's been emptied out. And now God can fill you up with his divine nature, his desires, his thoughts, his intentions can come into your heart. Acts 1 and 8, the Bible says, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So notice that the Father's power comes into your life with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And one of the main points of that power is not for you to keep it to yourself, but it's to become a witness. The power comes into you by the filling of the Holy Ghost. And now it's your job and mine to go out and be witnesses with that strength and that power. John 16 and 13. The Bible says he'll lead you into all truth. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Why is he guiding you? Because he's your father. Your father, your daddy wants to lead and to guide you into all truth. It says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he'll show you things to come. He'll drop it into your spirit. If you're listening to the voice of the Father, if you're communing with your Father as much as you possibly can, you're going to hear his voice and he's going to guide you into all truth. The Bible says we're begotten of the Father. That makes us children of God. According to John 1 and 12, the Bible says, But to as many as receive him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
I love how Brother Josh, when he's, when he's exhorting and he's, he's compelling people to come up for prayer at the altar, he always mentions or he often mentions that we're like one big family. And that's so critical because this, this really is the Father's house. And in the Father's house, we're, we're not just strangers anymore. We're, we're really our relatives we're all born and begotten of the same Father. This is God's family, and this is the Father's house. <clears throat> Let me find my place here. I've gotten off track. Let's go to 1 John 3, 1 through 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Romans eight fourteen to 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, if you're being led and hearing his voice, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. We've all been adopted into the Father's house, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We are also children of Abraham by faith and heirs to the promise of God. Galatians 3.14, the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's you and me. Everybody say Gentiles. We're all Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And verse 27 in that same passage says, For as many of you as have been baptized, everybody say baptized. As many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. This is a promise for you now, and your family, and your children. This is a promise for you and me tonight. I will make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That promise is shared through Abraham to every one of us because we're part of the Father's house. So what is the Father's house? Ephesians 2, 19 to 20. It says, Now therefore we're no more strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. I know I'm wearing you out, but everybody say household. You're part of the household of God, and you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When you come into the Father's house, you become part of the household. 1 Peter 2 and 5, and we're getting very close to wrapping up. You also are lively stones and are built up a spiritual house. Everybody say house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And I'll just mention this right here. One of those sacrifices 
that we can offer up to God as lively stones? Can anybody take a stab at what that would be, what that could be? One of the sacrifices that we can offer up to the Father is the fruit of our lips, giving praise unto his name. That's one of those spiritual sacrifices. That's why it's not just trite and us trying to hype you up and get all emotional when we come to church. You don't always get this in a, in a home Bible study. But when we come to church, when the household of faith comes together and the singers and musicians start to magnify the, magnify the Father with their instruments and with their singing and with lifted voices, and we start to join in worship with them, we start to offer up a sacrifice of praise. And it's pleasing to God. It's pleasing to the Father. It's not just emotionalism. It's not just a feeling. If, if we just worshiped when we felt like it, we'd be worshipers of feelings. But we're not worshipers of feeling. We're worshipers of the one true living God. We worship the Father, the way, the truth, and the life, the one and the only living God, and there's none beside him. It's a, it's a sacrifice of praise, especially when you've been working all day, especially when you feel tired in your body. Especially when you're worn out and exhausted from the stress of the day and the demands of your job and tending to your children and all the stresses of the bills and life and everything that's piled in on you. When all that's happening in your life but you still come into the Father's house, it becomes a sacrifice of praise because I don't feel like it all the time. I feel good to my flesh. It's part of me dying to myself and offering up that spiritual sacrifice according to that scripture that we just read. When you're in the Father's house, and this is the last point, you get the benefits of living in the Father's house. In His house, in His house, we stand on a threshold of treasure that's available to us. One of those is the promise of transformation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We've got in the Father's house the promise of peace that passes all understanding. Though there be trials in your life, though things might not go your way, though time and circumstance might happen to every one of us, although it rains on the just and the unjust, and we can't predict what tomorrow holds for any of us, we still have the promise of peace that passes all understanding. In his house we have fellowship with all, look at all your brothers and sisters in this house tonight. You've got the promise of fellowship where you strengthen one another, where you can encourage one another, and you find it in the Father's house. In the Father's house, probably one of my favorite things is you've got food to eat. Amen. If, if you're in the Father's house, there's got to be something to eat. Amen. Bible says, Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. You've got the promise of new strength in the Father's house. Part of that treasure trove we were talking about. 
Acts 1 and 8, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. See, the Father's house, is a, it's a whole new environment. It's not like you knew in the world where you live for yourself and you got to get for me and my own and, and us four and no more and I'm taking care of my family and I'm grinding it out to build my little empire. It's not like that when you're born into the kingdom of God. When you grow up in the Father's house and you start to learn how to be mature in Christ, you start to realize that your maturity in Christ, it's not always dictated by how long you've been in the church. I know a lady that she, she had been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name for just two years, and the Lord called her to become a pastor's wife at a fairly large church. Just two years in, and she was ready. She was matured in her faith. Two years in, can you imagine? Two years in, and you are called to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. I can't imagine, but she was ready. I, I know some people. We all know some people. <laughs> I was going to pick on something Brother BG said earlier, but I better leave that alone. <laughs> We, we know people that can be in the church for 30 years or more and still not be fully matured. Maybe not even be developing. Maybe don't even want to develop. Been in church 30 years and they're still walking around like a babe, whining and crying and fussing. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> when you grow up in the Father's house, He'll teach you to understand. He, he teaches you and coaches you and gives you confidence and security. A, a good father in the world teaches his children. He coaches and trains his children so that when situations in life come up, they have confidence and they have security because their dad's taught them a few things. In the father's house, he'll give you understanding. The Bible says he'll give us new desires. He'll take away the memories of our sinful experiences. He'll help us with wrong concepts that we have. He'll help us with bad habits that we have. He'll start to expose and illuminate in your mind bad company that you might be keeping. He'll help you with lust and greed and anger and jealousy. Everybody say jealousy self-righteousness and envy and strife and division, all those things that are inside of us. When the Holy Ghost comes in, he, he starts to expose those things. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? He starts to illuminate little things in your life that aren't quite like him, that he wants to change and develop in you. Romans 8 and 7, the Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. And that example, he said, look, I came to your church. I was trying to teach you and talk to you. But it's obvious y'all were all too carnal to receive what I was trying to teach you about maturity in the faith. Now, I know that's none of us in here tonight. It's just an example you can be in the church for a long time but not be growing up into maturity. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12, the Bible says, And then shall that wicked 
be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. Everybody say strong delusion. That they should believe a lie. See, it's not just about we're Pentecostal and apostolic and we have truth. We have the truth of Scripture. Yes, we do. Our doctrine is sure and built on the foundation of the Word of God. But we need more than just good, solid doctrine. We need a love of truth. Because when you love truth, then you start to love what the Father loves. And that's what causes real change and transformation in your heart. A love of His truth. In the Father's house, He'll teach you how to eat. You ever seen a baby learning how to eat? It's messy, nasty. They don't always get it right. A lot of times it ends up on their face and their hair. Bethel still does that a lot. She likes to take spaghetti and rub it in their hair, and then we got to give her a bath after she eats. As a babe in Christ, God teaches you how to eat. 2 Peter 3 and 18. The Bible says to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. It's a growing process, a growing in knowledge of truth. 2 Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say the Father's nature. The promises are going to help you be a partaker of the Father's nature. If you have an earthly father and he promised you an inheritance, a house, his retirement, some money, don't you think you'd shape up a little bit? Your father has a promise. He's got exceeding great and precious promises for you. He's got a treasure trove available to you in his house. And that helps you and I to become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And the very last thing before we wrap up, when you're in the Father's house, He's going to teach you how to walk. We've all seen a, a baby, can't walk, has to learn how to sit up first. That's how it is when you come into church. You're born again. You're born into the kingdom of God, but you're still a baby. You may not even be able to sit up straight spiritually. I, I know, I'll just be really transparent when I was first born again, I, I know people that received the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and all that worldly stuff, they were done with it. All that carnality and junk, God just did it like that, not for me. I was baptized in Jesus' name, just being transparent, baptized in Jesus' name. Eight days later, I was with my friends, smoking a cigarette, smoking a joint, listening to worldly music, getting high and having a good time. But God kept drawing my heart back to him. He kept pulling at my heart. He wouldn't let me go because that nature had already started to get down inside of me. 
And God would convict me more and more and more firmly until it wasn't long that I had all those same friends sitting in the church with me, the ones I'd been getting high with. They were sitting on the pew listening to the preaching of the Word of God and learning what exactly was going on in their friend's life. Because his nature had gotten inside of me. Last scripture, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length. This is the Father's love to you and me. This is the Father's heartbeat to you and me. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in love so you can understand with all your brothers and sisters really the true breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He, he needs you. He wants you to dig deeper, to learn more, to grow and to mature so that you can understand his nature more and more and more clearly as you grow in Christ. Why don't we all stand tonight? Pastor says to read Acts 2.38 out of the, pa the Passion Translation. It says, Peter replied, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Anointed One, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So many people today say, well, baptism is not really anything special. I mean, it's just kind of a ceremony I love it I, I don't I don't recommend the passion translation let me just give you kind of a because I don't want to hesitate to don't run off leave me I don't want to hesitate to uh, run from every other version uh, I'm not a KJV only guy but I'll tell you what the rule of thumb needs to be if it, if a version waters the scripture down I'd stay away from it okay if it waters it down and takes it and makes it less powerful, then you need to get rid of that. But, it, for example, this is so strong, Peter replied, repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. So he's saying there's no way to have your sins removed. If you, So it's not just a ceremony. It's not just a celebration. Anyway, Brother Kais, you did awesome. You did awesome. I am so excited. We have, we have never had a good program like this, and Brother Farhat's been working on this for quite some time. So he will be back in here next Wednesday night teaching this, but it'll be the last time he'll be in here. After next Wednesday night, you'll have to make a decision. You'll have to say, am I going to stay in and hear Pastor teach, or am I going to hear Brother Farhat? And I hope that... It, so many goes to hear this that I have to move into the coffee shop and he has to stay in here because this is very, very rich uh, and just just so simple and straightforward. And so thank you so much. Something you said tonight reminded me of the importance. Friday Night Live was is not just something to make us busy because I know we got plenty to do. Friday Night Live is a time that we come in an environment that new people 
who are just coming in and just needing to get to know everybody. You can't really get to know people at church. I mean, you know, you say, hi, how are you? How's the... God bless you. It's good to see you. How are you doing? Nice weather. That's about it. But when we get over here on Friday Night Live, you learn that Brother Jerry Grimes still struggles with cheating when he plays games. I mean, you, you, you know, you learn a little bit about it. You learn that pastor still struggles with gluttony, you know, and, and uh, you know, you really get to have some, some good fellowship. So if you can at all, be here on Friday night. We're starting it back. Friday night live will be this Friday night. Be some fun and games and stuff. Amen. Sorry, I didn't. Praise the Lord. We'll dismiss with prayer. We have the promise of new life. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Amen. When you come into the Father's house, God starts to treat you not as a stranger anymore, but he treats you as a son and a daughter. When you come into his kingdom, you are loved and you are accepted. Everybody said amen. But with that, with sonship comes responsibility. A good father doesn't just give grace and mercy only. A good father disciplines. A good father challenges. A good father teaches and guides and corrects. A good father even punishes if he has to. But a good father always, always, always encourages his children. Amen. How many tonight know we have a good, good father? Would you lift your hands to the Lord and just thank him for being a good father tonight? Lord, we love you tonight, Jesus. I pray for every one of us in this house tonight that you would reveal yourself, God, in a new dimension, God, as our Heavenly Father. Let us see it in a, a more clear way, Lord, that you love us so deeply, God, that you're so interested in our development and our maturity and our faith and walk with you, Lord. Help us to see you as the Heavenly Father that loves us and that challenges us, God, that corrects us and guides us. Help us to hear your voice tonight, to be led of the Spirit, oh God. Help us to put off carnality, God, and fleshly desires, Lord, and to seek you first and to seek your face, God. Oh, would you tell them you love them tonight? Let them know how much you love them tonight. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness to us, oh God. Would you clap your hands under the Lord all across this house? Just give him praise tonight. Just a moment of praise tonight. Worthy is your name, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we magnify you. Praise God. Once again, we'll be in here next Wednesday night. One more time, God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We'll be dismissed at this time.